breaking news. Once Upon a Time was renewed for a seventh season. So keep that in mind when you're listening to this episode, and we'll share more about that news in our upcoming discussions. You're listening to Once, episode 299, The Song in Your Heart. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Heather Ordover. And we've gotten to watch and rewatch and rewatch and re-listen to this <laughs> and all kinds of re-things to this episode <laughs> of Once Upon a Time. Still, I think my favorite episode. Now, the more I think about the episode, the less I like it. <laughs> Isn't that true? Almost every week. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> but the more I watch the episode and listen to the music, the more I love it. Yeah. It grows on you. Yes. And me. It was, it was good to start with. It's been good since we started with it. I only let myself listen to... Mm, the first two-ish, two-and-a-half-ish, maybe into third song of the soundtrack before the episode aired. I'm really glad I stopped there because the end I would not have wanted to spoil with the songs, personally. The songs from this uh, are not written by Mark Isham, who usually writes the soundtrack for Once Upon a Time. Now, the theme was, and maybe some of the soundtrack to this but the actual songs were written by alan zachary and michael uh weiner or weiner and i think they did a fantastic job with the songs and the variety of the music within this too so that when you get the soundtrack and yes buy the soundtrack over at oncepodcast.com slash musical if you enjoy the soundtrack then that's where you can purchase it and some of those links help support the podcast there too heather what do you think of the music i thought they knocked it out of the park. And I thought they had a really, really difficult job in front of them, partly because even though it's a half hour show and even though it has kind of a typical arc for shows, musicals are trickier. Musicals, if the songs don't fit into a groove that we're used to, or if they come off more like a rock ballad than a musical number, it can really stop the action cold. And I thought they knocked it out of the park with this one. They had, they gave all of the characters who you really wanted to hear from, they gave them songs that actually did something for their character or for furthering their story arc. And, and they were great. And the songs fit the characters, the styles of the songs. Beautifully. Absolutely. I thought it was really, really <laughs> just lovely all the way around. And I'm obviously, I'm partial to Hook's song, but. <laughs> Obviously, I he's got an Irish tenor. I mean, <sighs> if it wasn't bad enough before, now he had to go and sing. No, it was lovely. They did a, a great job, and I thought the charming's opening set the tone really nicely. I watched it with my thirteen-year-old. I was a little concerned, but he was <laughs> cackling off the bat as soon as he saw that blooper. As soon as he saw the bluebird land, he looked at me and said, oh, we're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. 
<laughs> that was great. The opening title card did something that I don't think they've done for any of the other episodes, and twofold. Uh, one is they put something in the title card that doesn't appear in any way in the episode. It was beautiful. Yeah. And ghostly, so creepy. And ghostly. Yeah, and then the theme music, which they have done a couple times. They've done a couple things to the theme music yeah. before. But it did, this was the first time it didn't have the normal cadence, right? It it was the or was same. was it kind of there? It was kind of there, but a lot different and more Flowier and not as punchy. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I'm well-versed in music theory, right? <laughs> Yeah, there's not going to be any technical language here, I don't think. Well, not from me. Maybe from Daniel a little bit. Heather, what kind of song types would you label all of these? Well, there's a theory that got spread around a while ago, and the first time I remember it coming out was when Little Mermaid came out, because that was the kind of the rebirth of the Disney musical. And a lot of people, a lot of people who were writing at the time were talking about the I Want song, which is so clearly an I Want song in Little Mermaid. I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing. That whole, um, some, um, I, we always start calling it somewhere that's green from Little Shop of Horrors because they sound the same. But um, part of your world. And every show has to have an I Want song or you will feel something lacking. And the thing that was so interesting about this episode, I thought, is that they had several I Want songs, but they also had them mixed in with I am songs, Hmm. things where the characters got a chance to declare something about themselves, something that they've either just realized about themselves or that they've known about themselves. Um, The Evil Queen song is a beautiful I am realization song. Hook's I want song is the revenge song. Zelina had an interesting song because hers was a realization song and an I want song. And it was also like a rock ballad. She was the one who I thought sounded like um, Laura Branigan. What was that? Total Eclipse of the Heart, which I wondered if I was the only person on who was watching who had that response. I think I, I no remember idea. seeing that in the chat room. That, that was, oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't just me? That. Oh, yeah. thank goodness. I thought the Emma's I Am song, her realization I Am song at the end was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the times where they decided to do just musical numbers. The the Charming's Powerful Magic at the beginning and the Charming's versus the Evil Queen, which was a great plot moving along song, but also kind of a, a big set piece with the three of them moving around together. Um, and then the splashy musical number at the end. Those things are really hard to do for television. The The editing and the recording are so tricky and they hit all the right notes as far as far as i thought watching it i didn't i didn't have any moment where i thought oh wow that was unfortunate well and it's interesting that looking through the soundtrack i noticed the songs are no more than two and a half to three minutes Mm -hmm. i don't think any of them is even four minutes the soundtrack has eight songs Mm -hmm. on it and is a total of 20 minutes long yeah did you guys download the lyric sheet too no Oh, do that. I'll have to find the link. But despite yeah. their length, it was just like none of them felt clipped mm-hmm. or like, well, that was a short nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no true. they got the mustard out in this <laughs> musical. <laughs> <laughs> little side story. When I heard the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack, 
and discovered that. And I thought that they got the mustard out song was hilarious. I emailed it to about 50 coworkers and friends. <laughs> I think Jeremy, yeah, you were one of the friends that I emailed that to oh. at that time as well. I do remember knowing that the mustard was indeed gotten out for many, many years now. So if you enjoy this musical episode, you might also want to go watch the episode Once More with Feeling from Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it's Uh, There's a lot of similarity, actually, between the two. But let's get into this episode. Now, straight up, I'll tell you, there's not as much to theorize about or pull from in Easter eggs in the different scenes. So it may seem like we are running through this really quickly. It's because there's just not a whole lot to discuss, even though we all really like this episode. And hearing from you and other fans, you also like the episode. And seeing your different favorite songs are a lot of fun as well. And... We've got a special bonus for you that I'll play in a little bit. But let's start our discussion in the past as we usually do. When Snow and Charming are coming back to the castle, this is when they are freshly back from having seen Rumple, as we saw back in the pilot episode. While Snow is pregnant and, you know, the whole thing, when Rumple first said, the final battle will begin and all of that. Yep. They're just back from that and... They've been talking, apparently, on the drive back from their dungeon. And I'm not even going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Say what? No, I have to say it. No, you do. Yes. Okay. Uh, My thoughts, which are well known on what the final battle meant when Rumpel said it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay. I'm over it. Not really, but Mm. kind of over it. (laughs) Their costumes were even the same from that scene so it's nice that they carried that over the hairstyles not exactly the same but close enough not exactly but it felt like we were getting to see the snow and charming that we first saw yeah it was nice and the whole premise of this musical thing is the wish that snow made her wish was basically for something to help emma to give her a chance at a happy ending she nothing about that they had what they needed yeah yeah nothing about a final battle or I wish for extra strength for my baby when my baby someday will face the final battle. Nothing about that. A chance at a happy ending. Well, what's, yeah. I mean, even as this episode explores, what's a happy ending? It's a happy beginning, <laughs> which we'll talk about later. <laughs> so they go to sleep and wake up with the wonderful little bluebird. Snow is not new to bluebirds. We've seen her with bluebirds. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I've never seen that before. Oh my God. And it was so fitting that it starts with the Bluebird because I believe, just from memory here, the original Snow White movie from Disney, mm-hmm. didn't the first song start mm-hmm. with Snow and a Bluebird? Mm-hmm. That's my memory. And I know Walt Disney built the animation studio specifically so that all of the animators had trees outside their windows so they could see the birds in the trees because that's what they were working on huh didn't know that that's cool lore i love uh charming's entrance and yes he (laughs) did sound good (laughs) he did it was my favorite entrance ever i had of course this is one of the songs that i'd listened to a couple of times before we actually saw the show (laughs) so i didn't i was surprised when i saw his worried look when he came through the door instead of just singing. It was great. They really, they seem to have a lot of fun with that. And it, it was so good. So they said, love expressed through song is a weapon like the queen has never seen. 
I, I can get I mean, it goes back to where I said in the initial reactions that I think as fun of an episode that this is, don't think too hard about the premise because that's when it seriously breaks down. And the main point that they're getting at here is that when, well, there's a powerful magic when two hearts are one. Yes. When they're joined together in song, when they're harmonizing together, when it's as sort of an expression of love, what well, is love expressed through song? It's not really a different level of love. It's just a different expression well, of love. Well, they're arguing that it is. <laughs> well, yeah, just a different expression. Uh, yeah. Well, and also, don't forget that Snow is actually already misunderstanding the purpose of the spell, as we learn later. Yeah. But it's all fine. It was so fun. And they did say, <laughs> among things that love can defeat... They mentioned beans. I know, and I feel like so that good. line was begging to be queens, except that they wanted to mention the queen in the next line, so they yeah. couldn't. <laughs> Did I just rhyme here with here? Nope, you didn't. <laughs> except that they have, I mean, how many times have beans been thrown, and then there are portals, and even hooks like, before I get thrown down another portal. <laughs> so, yeah, got to defeat the beans too, I guess. <laughs> then over to Regina mirror mirror on the wall at the at the start here her first little song it's fun that we get to hear regina and sydney and grumpy and geppetto and jiminy and even <laughs> granny singing yeah from this i thought nobody could say anything that was not in song yeah <laughs> that's yeah i was wondering if it was going to go that direction which is that was the buffy direction right they were they pretty much couldn't in buffy couldn't say anything I think there were some actual dialogue songs in that Buffy. I'm thinking some, of Les Mis where, uh, I, where when I watched through, it and I did not, yeah, I did not enjoy Les Mis, but I just so <laughs> desperately wanted regular dialogue but, and not something some. But Daniel, Les Mis is the story arc of season seven if we get it. Hey, the whole show is going to be musical from now on. Didn't you know? <laughs> we're recording this on May 10th, 2017. And, uh, News may actually break while we are recording this, whether we have a seventh season for Once Upon a Time. Yes, I was noting um, that four years ago today, we got word of season three and of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. From our own Once Podcast crew, uh, Jacqueline thinks it will be a short season seven to air in the fall or winter. Matthew Paul thinks it's somewhere in the middle of a half season and a full season. Uh, John Buchanan and I think that it will be completely canceled after this finale and we'll see maybe we'll find out actually while we're recording and so you'll ah. hear breaking news time shifted because of when you're downloading this episode or at least if you're downloading although our live audience will hear it live from us that's right i think they will renew it for a full 22 episode season and that they will renew it for another one after that and another one after that until we don't recognize it anymore <laughs> i have to be cynical about something even though this was an amazing episode. <laughs> and there wasn't squid ink in this episode for you to there be cynical about. There wasn't positive. squid ink. No. Or kraken no. blood. Nope. But speaking of kraken, the guards <laughs> next were kraken. Oh, boy, were my they? Gosh. <laughs> Woof. I, I rewound and double checked. I was like, she did not. <laughs> she did. <laughs> of course she did. Of course she did. She was just so, you know, cash. Okay. My impression from that is kind of like she's like, uh uh-uh, uh, this is my song. 
you're not going to dance and sing with me. Yeah. <laughs> and was, I don't need no backup singers. It was so totally Regina to do that, too. Yes. It was beautiful. And the look on her face, just the whole time. Mm-hmm. She, she seemed to be um, chewing the scenery, having a really good time. It was a little intense, to borrow Jenny's term. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I wasn't the one watching with kids. <laughs> I had, <laughs> my 13-year-old's pretty tough. But cool. did you, I was wondering if you guys noticed her costume in that first song number, that it was it was all browns and bronze and mm. like dark golds. As opposed to her normal black. Black and dark blue and purple. Mm. And I was wondering if they were trying to make a clear line between her and black fairy or if it was just me not remembering that she'd worn these colors before that's interesting she looked great she by this time in the timeline this is after she's pronounced the curse but before she's actually enacted it she has been wearing all black yeah so to see her in brown that is what was off and i didn't realize it that's interesting Uh, i thought something was different but she's made a big deal about black being her color it's that's what I thought. I went, and it's funny that they did that because she didn't. Evil Queen didn't ever show up against the Black Fairy. They didn't have any scenes together. No, in I, those costumes, I would <laughs> bet we're forgetting some costumes that had a little more color, a little more rust on them, <laughs> a little more rust. <laughs> now during this montage, seeing all the people in the mirrors, I thought it was interesting. I read that Pinocchio was played by the younger brother of the original. <gasps> That's so cool. Really? That's uh, why the name was a little different. I thought... Jacob Davies yeah. played Pinocchio, but of course he's six years older now. Yeah. And so his brother Jack played Pinocchio for the scene. I thought, oh, he's going by Jack now. <laughs> That's interesting. And how did they make him look so young? Right. <laughs> huh. Nice. Nicely done, ABC. When they go visit the pirates, this is when, to me, the the retcon and trying to fit this in with everything else we know about Once Upon a Time starts to really break down. Because they're going to find Captain Hook, or they find Captain Hook. They don't know who the captain of the Jolly Roger is. But they find Captain Hook, and Snow is not terrified of him. Do you know why that's a big deal? No. Season no. two, when they first meet Hook while he's tied up to the tree while the ogre is coming... When Snow pulls out the hook from the bag, she's like, you don't know who this is. This is Captain Hook. And she's terrified of him. And remember with the promotion for season two, they were talking about what's worse than the crocodile. It's Captain (laughs) Hook and all of that kind of stuff. And none of that is here. Right. As well as it's not very Snow White for her to offer a human being to someone else who wants to take revenge on that first human being. Correct. And that wasn't just a human being. That was the Dark One, which meant something at the time. Yeah. And really meant something to them. He was locked up in an enchanted cell for a reason. For a reason. They couldn't just... Why did they even... Why would they even think that Hook could kill him? They'd just be letting him loose. That's not a thing they would do. So, yeah. That, I thought that was a little weird. I mean, the whole thing was kind of a big fever dream anyway, <laughs> but but they were trying to make it work with the plot, too, instead of just breaking out into song. So there's a little bit of that that we're going to have to 
Yeah. Be tolerant. Recognize. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's gotten so that when people interact in a flashback, especially if they're going to forget it, I almost just, they've gotten me not to think about it a little bit because mm-hmm. it's just like, it's so convoluted now. And mm-hmm. they always just say a long, long time ago, this actually had a place on the timeline, but it still is so difficult to reconcile. And I figure there will be holes anyway that, <laughs> especially for this week, I just went with it. Just let it go. <laughs> There's a really... Uh, Interesting thought, and Meredith brings this up. She said, I thought it was cool that pregnant Snow was in the vicinity of Hook. Just think, Emma was nearby her future non-aging groom even back then. I think it was cheesy that all of them would conveniently forget that day of singing. I mean, memory loss is usually associated with curses, so why? Because Snow can't remember Hook in the future before she meets him again in the Enchanted Forest. Also, Hook wouldn't bother breaking into Belle's cell to get her if he knew Rumpel was already incarcerated. Hmm. Good points. Yeah, I did think of the creep factor of the fact that he was standing there in front of his future mother-in-law and his future wife was in her womb. Yeah. I'm going to marry your baby. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to look just the same. (laughs) (laughs) They're very well adjusted to all the singing business already. It doesn't surprise them. They're just like, here we go. Well, Snow did roll her eyes a little bit. That they did. But I mean, the pirates, clearly this has been happening to them and they're fine with it now. Well, they yo-ho all the time. It's a lot of fun to watch this episode and focus only on the facial expressions of (laughs) people. Yes. Because so much is being communicated through those facial expressions. Yes. And not just the facial expressions of the main people, but... (laughs) But the backup singers and the dancers, there are some pirates that just made me grin (laughs) in the background. They're just lovely. Oh, and Smee. Smee was there. Yes, he was. I loved his line. Exuding leadership. (laughs) Yes. And he, he, I loved him when he was on Eureka, but I, I'm always happy to see him again. But I also thought it was interesting that the, the swords at the end of the song, when Hook walks through the little sword archway, that's very military wedding. I was in a military wedding when I was like three. And the, I don't know, was I the flower girl? I must have been the flower girl. And there's a picture of me with all the swords. And I was with the bride and groom and everybody. And all the swords were like that. And it thought, does what? fit because, remember, Hook <laughs> used to be in service of the Royal Navy, and so oh, were that's all of right. his crewmates until they decided to rebel and be like the honey badger who just takes what it wants. <laughs> and doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Yes, that's true. I'd completely forgotten he was in the military. And then, you know, later, wedding. When the evil queen goes to visit Rumpel, uh, this... I'm thinking timeline-wise, this is before she actually tried to enact the curse, and it failed because she didn't have the heart of the thing she loves most. And yeah, something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But this this happens very quickly after the pronouncement of the curse, but early enough that, well, late enough, actually, that Snow is showing in her pregnancy. Uh, and I loved <laughs> the way that they worked in rumple not singing that w- that was perfect just totally fitting his character regardless of whether carlisle wanted to sing right. yeah uh-huh. of course he's powerful enough for it not to affect him if he didn't want it to and the tease was great 
yeah. was so much fun. <laughs> that was that was one of the thirteen year old. Oh no, he didn't. <laughs> and even just her expectation, just now sing. <laughs> yeah. So good. Meanwhile, in Oz, Zelina. <laughs> You've been okay. wanting to say that. If there's. <laughs> If there was one song, now I liked it, but if there was one thing that just felt completely <laughs> out of left field, it was this. I was like, what are we doing? Why? Yeah. I feel like it was just because they wanted to give Rebecca Mader a song. And they were like, it's not going to work in present day because there's no reason. And so it has to be in the past. And she was the Wicked Witch in the past. So this is how we're going to do it. And it's a beautiful song, but... What in the world? But it's about revenge and death and sorrow and all while Zelina is terrifying <laughs> the munchkins. <laughs> <laughs> Whacking their hats off and taunting them. If I have one minor gripe about the soundtrack, it's that there were so many villain songs yeah. that you want to sing and then you're like, I don't, I don't want to sing that. <laughs> it's just nasty. That's the problem, though. They're the fun characters often, and otherwise it would just be love songs. Yeah. And at least if you're concerned about the profanity for these songs with your kids, then just avoid the villain songs because it's the villain <laughs> songs that contain some of the mild profanity, not that the hero songs. And hers didn't, actually. That's true. Zelina's didn't. That's true. So you can go on singing, I will fly into tomorrow, my sister full of sorrow, <laughs> paying for her sins. Go ahead and keep singing that. Because it's okay, then. That's hilarious. It's See, been judged safe. In some ways, this whole episode felt like once upon a time as it should have been. Mm. In, mm. To me, just in, at the very least, if they were going to do a musical, it was just a great picture. I liked that so much of it was in flashbacks because it's just a little snapshot of this is what once upon a time has been. But, but this song, I keep thinking... If they had more time to expand as a musical, mm -hmm. this could later be reprised with the developed mature Zelina in a more positive light. Yeah. That would be an awesome bonus for the Blu-ray or DVD. And yeah. <laughs> Rebecca Mader, too, did a fantastic... Mm -hmm. Everyone, really, did a fantastic yeah. job. Um, many of them have musical backgrounds. If they didn't, uh, then they might... I could see many of these actors and actresses going on to perform in other musicals uh, because they, they did fantastic jobs. Yeah, they did. And uh, WWO in our chat said, Lana said many guys were nervous to sing and Rebecca was excited to sing. I, I follow Rebecca Mater, who plays Zelina on Instagram, and she does all kinds of fun things, but I could see all of her enthusiasm about the singing coming out. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I really liked her. Her evil may be powerful, but wicked always wins. Yeah, just the just the line in general. I thought that that was nice. It differentiated her from from Evil Queen, and it gave her 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 own kind of thing. That's actually a line. I'm pretty sure she's said before. Certainly, wicked always wins. Yeah, a lot. yeah, yeah. She said that a lot. I think she even has said the whole line: "Evil may be powerful, but wicked always wins." Before. Well, then she probably has it on a T-shirt or a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking a of t-shirt, if you go to onespodcast.com slash t-shirt or t-shirts, uh, remember that there you can get all kinds of really cool t-shirts. And you know what I hadn't done yet? 
I hadn't bought my own T-shirt. So I recently <laughs> ordered it. Uh, it arrived only yesterday, and today is laundry day. So I couldn't be wearing it today yet because <laughs> I was away from home, so I couldn't <laughs> wait for the laundry. But I will be wearing that T-shirt for our finale party. Mm. And it's my favorite T-shirt of it. It's from Vansity Filming, who is also the um, guy that does a lot of the spoiler photos from Steveston. And he releases a lot of those. So uh, the one I picked out, it just says Oncer on it. But if you look closely, then the letters Oncer are made up of names of characters. So Jenny and I were looking closely at all of the different names we could see. And it seems like pretty much every name is in there, at least from the first several seasons. Maybe not necessarily this season, uh, like Gideon and Black Fairy aren't going to be on there. But it was my favorite design out of all of them. There are a lot of other designs you might like, uh, designs guys might like, girls might like gender neutral designs check them all out at oncepodcast.com slash t-shirts and if you purchase from there it helps support the podcast as well so if you get a t-shirt wear it send us a photo tweet us post it on our facebook group anything like that and especially if you're coming to our finale party at oncepodcast.com slash party then wear your t-shirt for that because i will be wearing mine too so that'll be a lot of fun when Charming and Snow then get to the Evil Queen's castle, which, why did they even need Hook to get there? Right? He's in a boat. And... (laughs) (laughs) It's a very special boat. That's a good point. I don't remember... It can fly if he's got pixie dust, but I don't think he's got pixie dust. And I don't remember there being water near the Evil Queen's castle. Eh, It's kind of a land ship, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a transporter. But but nonetheless... It it it's not that far from the Charming's castle. No, it's not. So they didn't. Isn't it the Summer Palace? Yeah, it is. I think. Uh, but... It was all contrived for song purposes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm okay with it today. But I really <laughs> loved the counterpoint in this song with the Charmings and then versus the snow. This kind of like scene attack, a song attack on each other. That's really neat counterpoint how they've got the completely different styles as well as different melodies going against each other. Yeah, Yeah. I couldn't decide what I thought of it because it felt very technical because they just kept repeating parts of the same song that they'd already done. But I think that was part of the point. And again, they were kind of misapplying the magic because later we found out it wasn't meant to fight Mm -hmm. the queen. But I, I felt like this, if I, <laughs> I've got to find something, right? If I, if there was something that I would have been like, eh, I might have done it a little differently. I wouldn't have minded hearing sort of an expansion on the lyrics of their songs here too. Mm. They could have gone further, maybe meshed the two a little bit more, but they got this weird dueling living jukebox thing, which was kind of fun too. So it worked just fine. And then they, they kind of did do it. Um, the Queen's lyrics did expand toward the end because things were changing and i'm really surprised that and i know for the sake of the story they wanted the spell the the singing sucking spell box to come from zelina for the sake of all of that that's what zelina was making in that big cauldron right but the person it really makes more sense to come from is the sea witch ursula Right. Because from Little Mermaid, you know, that's what it was. Song thing. However, once upon a time wise, it was Regina who took Ariel's voice, not Ursula. Right. So then maybe she could have come up with a way to do it herself. Yeah. 
Or maybe even Zelina could have even said in the scene before this, like, oh, I'll take that squid ink from Ursula or something like that. <laughs> if they had worked squid ink into a song that was in a soundtrack, I would have been not a happy person. We can't have that. No. And this also seemed to be where Regina forgot the protection spell that's on the Charmings at this point. That she's not able to harm them in this land. That protection spell from when the Charmings were going to execute Regina. And then that Uh, whole thing. The test. Thank you. Yeah. That was bugging me. I was was a little confused. And then I just said kind of the same thing that Jeremy says. Well, it's a musical. I was just thinking she just wanted to see her revenge. I'd forgotten about the protection spell. Mm -hmm. I thought she didn't do anything because she just... She wanted to enact the curse. So while David and Snow are there singing and deflecting Regina's fireballs and they have their looks between each other like, hey, it's working. They are apparently forgetting the protection spell. So I'm guessing the protection spell is actually what's deflecting all of those fireballs. Could be, could not be, because there was a similar effect with Emma. Well, but remember, as Blue says later, that this spell was not really for them to defeat the evil queen. Maybe not even for them as any form of protection. At all. But they have the protection spell already. Hmm. Well, then this scene kind of demonstrates why that protection spell is a bit of a plot hole. Yeah. Because they could have just gone and defeated her before the curse if they couldn't be harmed by her. When did that protection spell come up? It was before they were married. But what episode <laughs> was oh, it? Oh, I, I forget now what episode it was. Now, like, was it a season one thing? Is that why she cast? Like, I'm so rusty and foggy now. I'm thinking it might. It was in the episode The Queen is Dead. Okay. I think. Maybe. Wow. I could be completely wrong. I'm trying to postpone and say things slowly so our chat room can catch up and correct <laughs> us. I'll, I'll mention it if someone in the chat room points it out to us. But it was, I think it was in season two or so. But it did chronologically, it happened before the wedding because it was after that that Rumpel said, well, yes, that protection spell can only prevent you from harming them in this land. But if you were to take them to another land and he reminded her about the curse that he had given her So that all happens then before she decides, yes, I'm going to use this curse and I'll let them have this happy, happy day. But now my work begins on the curse. It's all coming back to me, sort of. You take one week off and look what happens. (laughs) So the evil queen poofs them back into their own castle and... And they don't miss a beat. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. Well, David checked for his sword. Did he have it or did he not? Because it was on the ground. It was bugging me. Uh, good point. Oh. Well, when Regina poofed everyone back, maybe she poofed the sword back too. Yeah, it was just he very specifically checked his hip and I thought it was gone. And I was confused because he definitely had a sword later or his sword or whatever. So what will give Emma her strength is she has everyone's song in her heart. Kind of a conglomeration. Yeah. She has the soundtrack. She has the dwarves not whistle while you work song. She has Granny's I'm old song. (laughs) But very happy. (laughs) But very happy. (laughs) And we're going to have a wedding. (laughs) And she has her parents' epic ballad. Presumably, it did not include Regina's song or Zelina's or Hook's. Maybe a little bit of Hook's. Maybe a little bit. Well, there is a good question. Someone raised this as well. That 
Interesting that the curse or spell, rather, the wish affected Oz, where Zelina was. That's a completely different realm. It's just because she was watching at the time. Oh, yeah, that's probably it's, what it um, It's a different kind of light magic. It's literally like fiber optic magic. It's flashes of light from stars or from fairies who look like stars when they're up in the sky. And if you're watching through, say, a cauldron or a mirror, you are affected. And seven days later, you will sing. <laughs> mm. Hashtag the ring. Weird. No. <laughs> that took a twist. <laughs> no, that went very dark. <laughs> the, the song in your heart thing is really <laughs> a metaphor. But what the big premise of this is that it's not a metaphor. It's actual strength, the song in your heart, this inner joy, this love sort of thing. And we've, we've certainly seen them take a metaphor and make it literal in some way in the show or powerful. So this isn't new in that sense, but it does seem a bit more of a stretch than any of the other metaphors they've taken before. Mm, at least it's fairy tale esque Yeah. And there is true. something special about music. Yep. Now, the forgetting part, I mean, the show at this point, especially anytime they do a flashback to this time period, is just sort of retcon, forget, repeat. But in this case, I just don't care. I'm cool. It was more than I expected for a musical episode. And I thought it was going to be hokey and silly and throwaway. Mm -hmm. It ended up being anything but, I would say. Yeah. And yeah, and it mattered a whole lot. So... Yeah, it was good. They can shoehorn, retcon some songs into the past. I don't care. Blue mentioned that all of this was actually for Emma, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of makes sense that she would know that Emma would need it and that she would know that Emma would face this big battle. Because the remember, prophecy? yeah, the prophecy mm -hmm. was originally that Rumpel would battle against the Black Fairy, but Rumpel... Uh, basically had the prophecy stripped from him. His fate, his destiny was changed. So maybe then that prophecy passed on to someone else and therefore passed on to Emma. And the fairies know that. And so that's how Blue Fairy knows that, well, Emma's going to need this someday. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, makes sense. I'm okay with that. Right. Yeah, I thought that was a, a particularly Harry Potter moment to the the idea that um, she's she's going to need this so that we can all be there with her when she has to face this this evil otherwise on her own but this is the the one way that we can manage to be there for her it seemed very harry potter book seven not in a bad way just in a <laughs> in a ah resonance kind of way and you know who is there for us when we need the most it's our wonderful heroes for once podcast we could not do the podcast without them so for this episode i am thrilled to thank Lisa Slack, Lisa R., Heather Peckfelder, Jill Sherrod, Greg Shope, Aaron Nunley, and our 29 heroes on Patreon. Thank you very much for your wonderful support of the podcast. You are notes to our music. You are the instruments to our orchestra. You are the pages to our symphony. You are all kinds of other metaphors to our other musical metaphors. You are the final battle. Wait, what? <laughs> so we are very, very grateful for your support. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity yet to become a hero and you're listening to this right now, then please consider giving back to the podcast what it's worth to you. I'm not going to say you have to give $10 or $1 or anything like that. What do you feel like the podcast is worth to you? 
That's what we'd suggest that you give over at oncepodcast.com slash hero or use any of these affiliate links we mentioned, like the t-shirts, the soundtrack where you can purchase the DVDs and Blu-rays and all of that kind of stuff. Like when season six is available for purchase, going to oncepodcast.com slash season six will eventually take you to where you can purchase it. It won't work right now. It will work later. But uh, purchasing through those links helps support the podcast. So we are very grateful for your support. Thank you, Lisa, Lisa, Heather, Jill, Greg, Aaron, and our 29 heroes on Patreon. And we've got something special for you. This is uh, something that we're going to release for download for our patrons, but we want everyone listening to enjoy this because why not (laughs) when once upon a time does a musical why can't we so here we go especially for you The show goes black when we see a flashback Not an ending to be seen A story so inconsistent That it acts like it's a team The fans are howling as they're watching teary-eyed Couldn't leave it out, heaven knows we've tried show you always meant to be retcon don't yawn don't let them know there's one more show it's the final battle (laughs) (laughs) the final battle So that's for you, heroes. <laughs> Log into Patreon soon, and you'll be able to download your copy of that. <laughs> uh, nicely done. <laughs> Special thanks to Heather, Aaron, and my wife, Jenny, for contributing to that. And Jeremy contributed the actual song suggestion <laughs> and some of the lyrics, too. And then uh, I wrote most of the lyrics as well. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for your support of the podcast. We really couldn't do it without you. Now, if you want your own copy of that song as well, then you need to become a hero. Go to oncepodcast.com slash hero to support us on Patreon. Um, uh, Support of any amount will get you access to that song, as well as our bloopers, which I've started editing our past bloopers that have been sitting for a very, very long time collecting dust. And he does not ask for our approval before he decides what bloopers to put out. And I often (laughs) forget that he's still recording when we go off the air, so... There's that. So there's lots to enjoy. Check that all out at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. I just want to play this song again, but I'm not going to. I'll I'll probably play it at the end of the podcast again just because I enjoy those things. Okay. Taking it to the present now in Once Upon a Time for this episode. We're starting out in the past present. Excuse me. As they can do with Once Upon a Time. The Group Home for Children, Minnesota, 1991. (laughs) Why did they capitalize that like it was the name of the place? 
Could have been. I mean, it could have been, but it's a weird name. Well, people Group home for children. capitalize things unnecessarily, especially of, on the internet. Like maybe a specific city. It's not just the group home for children. There's more than one. But on the little poster that Emma is holding, it's Murray Avenue Elementary School Talent Show. It is your time to shine. What's interesting about that to me is the actress who plays Black Fairy is Jamie Murray. Uh, uh, uh. Well, who plays a necessarily mean girl? Or the UMG, as I call her. <laughs> I think if we get season seven, she's going to be the main villain. If we get a season seven, they might be digging the bottom of the bar- barrel for villains. Which would be UMG. It, yeah, it could be. <laughs> I mean, come on. Or it's terrifying it could be, for a 12-year-old. It could be a cap man from Grannies might finally become a main character. And Jeff Roney would be really happy about that. Our friend from the Once Upon a Time cap fan man. podcast. So... They're they're in this process of picking out the wedding dress, and then the wedding dress arrives, and it starts turning black. Which was creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't even make the connection with Black Fairy. I was like, what is wrong with Emma? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, oh, no, she's a dark one. You could say maybe there's a little bit of symbolism about the white wedding dress and why it's turning black for Emma, but we won't go there. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking she looks better in black. Oh, Herc certainly does. So Black Fairy shows up and reminds us for the first time of the episode that the final battle is coming. But I stopped counting after that, sadly. I just forgot because the episode's so good. I I forgot to count how many times things were being kicked during songs as well. But I think it was somewhere around 10 times. I don't know how many things were damaged during Regina's terrifying little tantrum. I loved that. (laughs) I loved how scary she was. (laughs) (laughs) So in the clock tower, apparently the purpose of this curse is only this one thing, and that is to separate Emma from everyone else. At least what we know about this yet another dark curse. Now, preface to this, Mm -hmm. we may be the only people who watch Once Upon a Time who don't watch the commercials for the next episode. We're probably not, but we might be. We might be the only people... Like, out of our listeners, they probably all watch the commercials. So, if we sound a little silly in some of our theories, it's because we don't watch even the preview for next week. Just so you know. They may have already shown exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. So. And you'll hear more spoilers from Hunter and Jacqueline after the end of this podcast. We like it better without commercials. So, there's that. But yeah, so that being said, one possibility, now that you say that, is that when the smoke clears... Only Emma will be gone. Or what if or everyone, else, everyone else is gone and Emma is left? Right. Which could be an interesting ending to the season, having everyone back in the Enchanted Forest. Please, no. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm actually okay with another curse because I think that storyline-wise it makes sense since she's so connected to the original curse. It's kind of her thing. It makes sense that she'd cast something like that. But... Yeah. But... They've already been sent back to the Enchanted Forest in one form or another two, three times in different groupings. Yeah. First just Emma and Snow, then like everybody, then Camelot was sort of that too. So please, not that. (laughs) It does make sense that the Black Fairy could be the one to cast this curse without having to use the heart of the thing she loves most because she created the curse. 
So maybe she knows mm-hmm. the secret alternative recipe. Well, it's not the dark curse. She used an awful lot of pixie dust. Yeah. Or dark fairy dust. Dark fairy, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Where does she get that stuff anyway? That was all from the dark realm. That's the, so the, she just brought that with her when she snuck through and nobody saw her? Apparently, yeah. Maybe she was really small like they do. That, that would make sense, yeah, because the fairies are really small mm-hmm. when they fly around. And Regina's hand is a tricorder, which I don't think I ever realized before, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> she just kind of held it out, scanned the thing, and she knew all about it, which yeah. is way better, frankly, than just having Regina stand in a room, look at a thing, and then Regina explain it. <laughs> I was surprised that this curse is not coming at 8.15. Well, but 8.15 is too late for a sunset wedding. Well, no, not necessarily. <laughs> if it's supposed to be around this time of the year. Let's then... find out what time. Well, I'm not going to look at Steveston because um, they're in Maine. Yeah. Sunday. So it would be what time does the sun set? Let's say Portland, Maine. On, on May 7th or around May 7th. Sunset is 8.54 p.m. today in Portland, Maine. Okay. So see, they could have had an 8 p.m. wedding <laughs> and then gotten the wedding done in 15 minutes, had their little song, and then at 8.15 or 8.16, take your pick, then the curse starts going. But then they'd be missing the the very ominous tones of the clock tower. Save the clock tower. <laughs> the clock tower that has never made a sound before. Right. Wait, has it? I don't think it has. No. It's certainly broken many times. Yes. And maybe that's why it was so distracting to everyone is they're like, that clock tower has never made a sound before. Did it make that sound six times? I believe so. So see, it just wouldn't have worked. Hmm. Even at eight o'clock, it wouldn't have worked. Well, it's too it many. Yeah. It's just too many. Six is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's distracting. Of all the we problems I've ever had with Once Upon a Time, that's not <laughs> one of them, personally. Emma's wearing a red jacket again, though. Yeah, because she's ready for battle. But it's not, it's not her regular one, is it? No, it's not leather. Okay, I thought I thought that. Well, the red one is much more symbolic. That is her armor, or the red leather jacket. That is is her armor specifically. So yeah, I thought this one was armor esque, but maybe they didn't want. Yeah. Maybe they see that as regression if she puts that on. I think it would be. So not seeing her wear it, but still wearing red, still communicates that she's in battle mode, and she's got her red on. <laughs> she's got her red on she's got her red on and speaking of colors Hook doesn't like the white one <laughs> she did I the thing that. I just realized that she walked in I mean maybe she just heard the one sentence but she walked in and answered the question oh yeah spoken while she was outside that happens uh, three or four times in this episode yeah now that you said it I told you I would ruin <laughs> maybe all of TV for you you're going to see it now every time it happens. It's the reverse of the stupid let's talk privately step, step, step thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the cone of silence. Mm-hmm. When Emma came in. Uh, <laughs> and Hook said, don't you know it's bad luck to see the bride before the wedding? It's like, are you the bride? <laughs> well, he's thinking for himself. Hey, it's bad luck. Well, that's the he way. He should that... have said for me to see the bride before the wedding. Oh, that's true. <laughs> don't yeah. you know it's bad luck to see the bride before the wedding? Get out. (laughs) The bride should not be seen by anyone before the wedding. I think perhaps every man that's getting married has that fear 
that his bride will come to him on the day of the wedding, the morning of the wedding or something right before the wedding and saying, hey, uh, I changed my mind. I don't think, I think uh, there's a little bit of a fear (laughs) maybe in that. And that's probably what's going through Hook's mind right now is he's thinking Emma's changed her mind. Oh, okay. She just wants to do the final battle. For them, it would be a very (laughs) legitimate fear that something's come up, (laughs) which it actually had. She just wasn't saying, I don't think we should get married today. She was saying, you know, I'm going to go defeat um, the Black Fairy. I'll be back in time for the wedding. It's fine. (laughs) Don't wait for me. Start the party. I'll get there. No, that's one thing you can't do. You can start the party. Oh. (laughs) You know, back up and do the wedding part. That's true. Especially with that rooftop venue. Exactly. Every town needs several rooftop venues. (laughs) So in Hook's desperation, he finds some nightshade or dream shade, nightshade, dream shade, dream shade. shade. Yeah. Which, what the heck? Makes sense that he might have brought back some from Neverland. Can you, though, remind us of how it affected Rumple before? Mm -hmm. Because they said it almost killed him. But as I recall... Extreme measures, he said, yeah, but it didn't because I'm immortal. But I'm like, no, it actually legitimately almost killed you. Something drastic was needed to keep that from happening. I just can't remember what. Right. That was uh, just after. New York, wasn't it? Mm. Was that New York? He was in, uh, they were in. Was that? Didn't Neil do it? No. Well, Hook poisoned his hook. So confused. Oh, that's right. And put it in Rumpel's shoulder. I was thinking it was something that he came back from Neverland poisoned. Maybe. I'm getting stuff is getting so mixed I up know. now. They're all it's all to do with black poisony liquidy things. See, when you put a TV show in as a musical, we forget a lot of things. We're distracted by the wonderful music. We're lucky we remember <laughs> the music. Everybody yeah. forgot, you know. I liked that Blue said, just as a side note, that they would all forget that they sang. So she was somewhere singing too. We just didn't get to see it. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe she's immune since she's the one that granted the wish. She said we. I didn't think it was just a courtesy. That's true. (laughs) But Hook is back to wanting revenge. After he takes Rumpel down, he said, I may finally get to skin myself a crocodile. Eh. The revenge thing, okay, I get that they brought it up in his song, but bringing it back up, that's seasons ago that he let go of wanting to get revenge. Yeah, but I was thinking about that for some reason, (laughs) probably listening to the soundtrack. After hundreds of years of thinking about little else, isn't it kind of weird to walk around town and just see the one you were hunting? Even though you've let it go, it's got to be a process, I would think. To not want to sometimes be like, oh, you know, that was a goal for me for, you know, longer than I should have been alive. Mm-hmm. There he is. Well, and he, it also Still kicked being right bad back too. in. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, everybody had bought that gold was on track and that he'd resuscitated himself. And I mean, more, more or less, everyone had bought it. And then this change, the Black Fairy's still there and Emma's still in danger and... Hooks ticked. Yeah. And I, I kind of didn't blame him. At at first I went, really? And then I went, oh, really? No? Yeah? Okay. By the way, the dream shade thing, uh, Matthew, Paul, and Jack are pointing out to us, uh, clarifying the details. It was, yes, Hook poisoned Rumpel in New York. 
and Rumpel was vulnerable because he didn't have his magic. Then when they got back to Storybrooke, that's when the Queen of Hearts, Cora, was in town. And in fact, right. that's where the right. Cora yes. came from because they had to use the candle, the double-ended candle, in order to save Rumpel. So to just toss out a line like, yeah, I didn't kill me because I'm immortal is not good. It's not very self-aware. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's your show. <laughs> so meanwhile, Emma is reminiscing at the sheriff's office with all of those little random things uh, from her past, including the little cassette tape. The tape recorder of convenience? Yeah. With the, the yes. beautiful song, which, by the way, uh, young Emma singing the song and then later older Emma singing to the tune of Once Upon a Time. Really beautiful how they tied that in with the Once Upon a Time theme song. But I want to give props to uh, the artist Carlene over at Carlene.com. And we'll have a link to her website for this. She was the one who first, to my knowledge, first put lyrics to the Once Upon a Time song. This is a little sample of her music. You definitely got to go download it. She offers this song for free on her website. So go to the show notes, oncepodcast.com slash 299 to download this. If you want to hear the rest of that, go to carlene.com. We'll have the link to that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 299. But in that, she puts the words, I will always find you to that true love tune that we know from Once Upon a Time. And so whenever I see it, and even in this musical, I kept expecting it to for Emma to sing, I will always find you. I know. I've... I've almost thought of those as being the words to that song for a long time after hearing that. And I was slightly somewhere inside nervous that they would borrow that slash take that. And I was hoping that just there would be proper credit given, but they didn't go that route at all, which is better. Now, Henry uh, mentioned that it's the the final battle is the reason he brought Emma to Storybrooke and to bring back the happy endings. And that's one of those things from season one, the pilot episode that in all of our conversation about the final battle, where we were focusing primarily on what Rumpel said. But Henry did also say it back in season one when he was in his castle there with Emma and she brought the storybook back to him. He said this. I was hoping that when I brought you back, things would change here. That the final battle would begin. I'm not fighting any battles, kid. Yes, you are. You're here because it's your destiny. You're going to bring back the happy endings. So that's really cool that they referenced that again. And Henry uh, really plays a nice part in this episode and might even play a big part in the actual season finale. I really loved them in this episode together. Um, a couple of different times, but oh my gosh, it was so sweet to listen to his little boy voice. <laughs> oh, oh, 
How many years is it supposed to have been now in storybook time? Uh, Not six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe four then. Something like that. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> Not much you can do about that. When Regina and Zelina come up with this idea for the time potion and then complete it, I had this thought that why didn't Regina think of using that time freezing potion on Peter Pan's curse. You can't think of everything all the time. <laughs> besides, there were probably other things happening. And besides, your questions are pointless. It, it was a very. It's another one of those slightly over technical things they're doing still. Pulling out part of the curse. And, and now they're saying it was an add on. Which, I mean, it's all fine, but it is getting very technical. She starts grabbing stuff, trying to pull apart. It's okay, except that, I don't know. I don't know what, if she was just going to freeze the tower, the curse, the town. Mm. Plus, time not moving. People still moved. Time did not. Right. That had to have been part of the curse. So she pulled it out into like a potion form. None of them really knew exactly what was going to happen, and I guess that's okay. What I got out of the scene was that Rumple just magicked it out of her hand, and they've been doing that a little bit more lately, and I'm just like, this should always have been a problem for magic people. Yeah. This is great. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's mine now. Thank you. It would have been great if, well, I guess Selena couldn't have done it, but it would have been great if they at least went back and forth a little bit. Like, mine, mine. Yeah. No, mine. Things can get pretty heated that way, I would think. I, I think Rumpel kind of clarified the point that it might work interestingly on people, and that's why it froze them. Right. Instead of locking them in time in a curse sort of thing. Or in a way, they were kind of locked in time, but their time was locked. I was thinking when we saw them frozen that it wasn't... Really, my reaction was sort of, again. <laughs> but I think the other times we've seen them frozen, which is basically any time... They're all supposed to be there, but someone's supposed to fight alone. It's the wave of somebody's magical hand. But I think those freezing times, when that person dies or disappears, they unfreeze. Whereas this would have been permanent without a way to break it. True. Even true love's kiss didn't right. break it. <laughs> Oops. Regina, you made that potion too strong. No <laughs> <laughs> soup for you. So when Emma tries to confront the Black Fairy alone, the Black Fairy raises the point that Emma can't do this alone. So let's flip this around. That means that if Emma is not alone, then she can do this and she can defeat the Black Fairy, even though it seems that the Black Fairy can't defeat Emma. Mm. Strange. Yeah. But that's kind of the way they've positioned this episode. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. <laughs> I'm back at the sheriff's office when Emma needs some encouragement. From chopped liver. <laughs> Henry. She's so alone. She's just got Henry. Yeah. Like, whatever. Well, <laughs> uh, so mean. Well, I mean that that's what they implied more yes. than that's what actually. I mean, she wasn't alone. They didn't. They literally didn't freeze everyone in her life. Mm -hmm. So shouldn't they have also gotten Henry if they really wanted to do her in? True. It would have worked. Yeah. From what we saw because, here. Because, <laughs> well, Black Fairy did take Hook from when he shot Rumple with the nightshade, dream shade. Yep. Uh, she did take him and then added the time freezing spell to him. 
and then put him with the mix of everyone else. Right. Right. But yeah, why not Henry? Well, because Henry and Emma needed to have this beautiful scene. Yes. Yes. That was possibly the most heartbreaking line I've heard on the show. This had the best entrance and the best heartbreaking line. (laughs) That I wasn't even brave enough to keep you. Yeah. And the acting here was really good, too. I know some people yeah. have criticized uh, Jared S. Gilmore's acting as playing Henry, but I thought he did this really well. Yeah. And, and Jennifer Morrison playing Emma, too, also did a fantastic job with yeah. uh, the emotions in this episode. I think Henry has been weakly written often, and I think that he um, it's asking a lot of a child actor to overcome kind of canned dialogue. But I, I thought they did just a, a, such a lovely job in this, this scene in particular together. But, but all of their scenes together. He might need some anger management classes, though. <laughs> it's a rather sudden outburst. <laughs> I thought he was just trying to get his hook on. You know, kicking things <laughs> off the table, sweeping stuff off the table. <laughs> That's true. A villain to... did break something or throw Let's something see. off. That's right. He's got to get his inner rage on. Now, what does Henry know about how the book is supposed to end? He said this wasn't how the book was supposed to end. I, I think he's it's just a blank page. Yeah, he's thinking happy endings, where or some mm, ending at all. Yeah, there's supposed to be a happy ending, but it's interesting that the book keeps generating these secret pages. Mm-hmm. Like it had the Maybe page. Maybe should shake it real hard and just see what else is in <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, it had the page that Regina needed that showed her and Robin, and now it has this page that uh, shows the the song in the baby there. Which, by the way, complete aside here, and I know some people might not like me for this, but um, I like how pro-life Once Upon a Time comes across with the babies being enchanted and that carrying through and acknowledging the baby as a person throughout whenever someone's pregnant. There's never been a question about whether the baby is a person and comes across very pro-life. I, I know not everyone will read it that way. I see it that way, the way it's, it's coming across. And I thought that's, that's just really neat. And I know not everyone will like that, but I am uh, adamantly pro-life. Um, yeah. I, I think when people aren't thinking about it, they think of an unborn baby as a baby. Mm-hmm. If they're not actively, that's my personal belief. <laughs> not only is it true, but I, I think that that's just what people go to naturally if they're not actively trying to remind themselves that they don't believe that. And that's how it comes out here. People are awful, uh, awfully enraged if something happens, especially, you know, like if someone's murdered and they're pregnant, like that's considered a double homicide. That's, yeah, a little mini rant but (laughs) i think they also it's it's also something that carries through thematically all the way through the show just in general the value that they pay lip service to of these are my people these are people that were important to me Mm -hmm. this is my community these are my the people from my village or whatever um the individual importances of all of these people and all of these people's stories and our understanding all of these people and all of these people's stories it's coming from that same place of life is precious and life is fleeting. And if you don't stop and pay attention and love the people who are around you, you're missing out. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of the things I think is, is marvelous about the show because maybe somebody wouldn't have seen that Daniel, but would have been picking up on it implicitly without noticing it. 
I think that's one of the reasons why watching it with my kids, you kind of leave it with a good feeling most of the time. And with good feelings, Emma then decides that she is going to do a very savory thing and sacrifice herself, which I, I really like that she was willing to do that. And she recognized it and, and like told Henry, you know, this is what I have to do to save everyone. If it means sacrificing myself, I'll do it because everyone else will then have their happy endings. I will bring happy endings to everyone by dying for them. We've talked about that since season one. The idea of a savior kind of implies sacrificing, making that ultimate sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether she'll actually have to do that, we don't know, uh, because the final battle is still yet to come. But, but, yeah. So there can be, I mean, season seven is going to be boring if there is one. Because this is the final battle. They can't have any more. No more battles. Right. Just done. Everything after this is just going to be like old guys sitting around a campfire talking about the final battle. <laughs> <laughs> and by old guys, you mean old guys who still look young because of curses and freezing and whatnot. No, I was thinking by old guys, I meant you and I in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. So Emma goes and does a coda fine. See what I did there? <laughs> I don't. It's a musical term. Okay. It means go back and uh, go to the finish. Coda, finish, go back and to the finish. Anyway. Uh, and she tries again, but this time being willing to give her heart. So it makes sense because she's willing to give it. It makes sense that the Black Fairy is able to take her heart. We've seen Emma's heart removed before. She was willing to have it removed then as well. Uh, so I'm okay with this. But... That the Black Fairy can't actually kill Emma by squeezing her heart makes me think the Black Fairy cannot defeat Emma at all. She wasted no time. Yeah. She just started squeezing. Why won't you die? <laughs> so, okay, so you think, heart aside, she can't defeat Emma just because of fate? Well, because of power. Emma is alone at this point. And the Black Fairy had said the last time Emma went to see her that it's because Emma is alone that she won't be able to defeat the Black Fairy. Maybe it's kind of a thing that Emma can't defeat the Black Fairy if she's alone. But in any case, regardless of whether Emma is alone, she can't be defeated by the Black Fairy. She's not alone. She never was. Right. According to Henry. Yeah. So maybe that's why the heart squeeze didn't work. song in her heart just made her heart too full. (laughs) And then it burned the Black Fairy's hand. (laughs) And her heart did fall with a heavy thud upon the floor. I'm kind of was a thud. (laughs) I'm kind of surprised that it didn't do the whole Little Mermaid thing. That like when it went thud, then out of it started coming the song, and then like uh, that would have been creepy. Emma then breathes it in, and she starts singing again, and that she shoves it back in, and her mouth opens, and she sings, and then she goes and marries Prince Eric. Oh, dear. After That's defeating no. <laughs> the evil sea witch. Um, I have a very important technical question about this magical music. Mm-hmm. When someone sings, either because of the wish or because it's Emma and the song is in her heart, does everyone around get the benefit of the orchestration? <laughs> I think of that all the time with musicals. And that's one of the reasons I don't like musicals is because there's this part of me thinking, you know, we hear an orchestra, but if these characters are supposedly singing in real life, then there's no orchestra. They're just, they're singing. But I think 
that in this case, with all this magic music, I think everyone got the full effect that we did. That's what I believe about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the music even seemed to be coming from the mirrors when Regina was listening to everybody that she was oh, about yeah, to go terrorize true. to try to undo some of the damage, apparently. <laughs> well, maybe that's part of the magic is that it, it makes an orchestra up here. And that's why the orchestra was in. Yeah. That's the magical orchestra that's uh, just floating oh, around everyone when they're singing. Seems like a very final season thing to do, doesn't it? <laughs> Finally show the orchestra to yes. everybody that's been recording the soundtrack if all these years. If you keep saying it enough, it becomes a spell. Was Mark Isham in that little you know, ghostly orchestra? Actually, that's a very Conducting. good legitimate question. He may have actually is, appeared in the show. Is that maybe the actual orchestra that does the music for Once Upon a Time? I assumed that the it was. Card. That would be really cool if yeah. it was, and it's not just some kind of CG thing. Yeah, I, yeah, because be I'm cool. not sure what the point would be if it weren't. And besides, where better to film an orchestra than their own? Than, than an actual orchestra. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out when the season is released on disc. Probably in August. Probably yeah. won't get the special features on Netflix. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> And regardless of whether there is a season seven for Once Upon a Time, we will do an unboxing and disc review of the season. Of season six. seven? Season <laughs> We six. are going to have unboxings <laughs> annually from now on, you guys, regardless of whether there's a season to unbox. Just to bring the whole gang around and keep the Patreon <laughs> campaigns going. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we'll do. <laughs> like, I, I pretty much drew the album art for my conceptual season 20. <laughs> and as you can see, it's another empty box. But uh, we With like a lenticular it. cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even if this show ends, you can stay subscribed to the podcast. We'll let you know when to unsubscribe from the podcast. <laughs> Which I said for Wonderland podcast. And well, you can unsubscribe from Wonderland podcast. We actually at this point have no plans to put an episode out. That's awesome. I had plans. They never came to fruition because of life. <laughs> uh, but this song, Emma's song, uh, of all of the songs that everyone was telling us was their favorite uh, or were their favorites, uh, this one seemed to be the most popular favorite because I think for a couple things, the symbolism, the uh, Jennifer Morrison doing a great job with it, the emotion of it, and the big screaming fact that this is the once upon a time true love theme song. Mm-hmm. And now it has words to it that are something other than I will always find you. And that's a beautiful song from Carlene. So I'm not downplaying that. But right. Yeah. It, ah, I, again, I'm so glad that I did not listen to this song before I watched the episode personally. Because it was just such a moment. I didn't expect... Well, I, I saw the title Emma's theme. I may have had my suspicions about what song it was. But even when the episode started, I was a little surprised. It was weird at first to hear that tune sung by a person in the show. Mm-hmm. Just like it's a little weird when they say Once Upon a Time. But this whole scene just felt powerful and moving. And it's really, it's sort of a completion of a chapter or many chapters of Emma's Like, she's fully developed Mm -hmm. as all the things that she's been struggling with all these years resolved. Like, all her, they've kind of established the walls thing being down. But all of these things, she knows she's not alone. She wasn't alone. She has family. 
It's like she looked into the heart of magic and suddenly became the bad (laughs) wolf to correct everything. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It is a little like that. That's hilarious. Jenny and I have been watching Doctor Who, if you can't tell. (laughs) So you finished season one then? Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Um, We know where you are. Yeah. It. Yeah. And the they made tweaks to the tune, and it was just so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, very similar to in season two, the episode "The Queen of Hearts," when we saw Cora <laughs> try to take Emma's heart and it not work because right at that moment, Cora was saying, "Oh, silly girl, love is weakness." And then that's when Emma's heart couldn't be removed, and Emma's like, "Uh, uh, uh, love is strength." Not quite in that tone, but and then the magic <laughs> emitted from her, which blew back Cora. This was very similar to that, I felt, uh, where she had that magical moment of the sort of thing that was partly, <laughs> partly from her heart. Then, when it went thud on the ground, that's the thing that went woof. And but then she just did some kind of like magic splash on everyone else. But then the end, it happened exactly like you just said, it kind of just came from her heart yeller area. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And emanated out. So Did she have her heart back in at that point, though? Yes. Henry helped her put it back Between in. Between verses? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Long after the 10-second rule, though. I like that. Hearts do have a 10-second rule, but not if you're performing a transplant. True. Don't drop that. Before we move on, I have to give a superlative warning. <gasps> the final battle, in case you forgot it was coming, will be worse than you can possibly imagine. Sister, I can imagine a lot. (laughs) So that's quite the promise. I don't even know what to think about that. I can imagine a lot. (laughs) Well, and, you know, Kitsis and Horowitz are talented writers, and they have very talented writers with them. And it could be that they're putting, they put, because they already recorded and edited this episode, they put a whole lot of energy into writing a really amazing epic final battle. This season finale will be two hours long. So that it's does not meant anything in the past. <laughs> it's, it's very possible. And just knowing how the story is going, they're not doing this thing where, okay, it's not disconnected. Yeah, it's not. So yeah. it's, it's going to wrap this up and probably also set up a cliffhanger for season seven. If they get a season seven. Um, but, uh, so it will be, I think epic and it could be amazing. I really hope so. And I have a feeling kind of like what happened partway through season three. I have a feeling that there will be a point in the season six finale where we will be able to say, okay, cut series finale was beautiful. Let's just ignore these last 15 minutes, but everything else beautiful. What a way to end a show. (laughs) Just ignore the last 15 minutes. Oh dear. Yeah, I mean, it could go either way because this was amazing. Mm-hmm. But after a whole season before, let, let's just take the author season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That whole story arc, it was as if he was going to change the world, change everything. And then when he wrote, they just ended up trapped in a book. It was fake. It was all fake. And the only thing at stake was them. In fact, Emma said, in her song that she was going to save the world from the Black Fairy. Mm. Do we think that the Black Fairy is threatening this world or their world, the Enchanted Forest, or any world at all? Or is it kind of just limited to our cast again? 
Well, I don't know. One of the things I'd long wanted to see, and I think maybe this was even in the context of the final battle conversations years past, was some kind of big battle in our world outside of Storybrooke. I wanted that so bad. I wanted that season two or three. Yeah. It's like the barrier's down, magic's here, let's go. Let's make this thing big and epic. It's kind of difficult budget-wise. Yeah. (laughs) The wedding was absolutely beautiful. Maybe, maybe a best TV wedding ever. Well, certainly a top... 10 list. The Once Upon a Time in Wonderland wedding was pretty, but this one had a musical number to it. As much as I liked Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, we had one, was it a full season? Was it 22? No, it wasn't 22 episodes. It was like a half season. It was 13 or 14 episodes. So, I liked them. I liked the characters. I cared about the story, but we didn't have nearly as long to care about the characters. This was just big. And they got the setting right. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything was so good. And only missing from the wedding, from at least the series semi-regulars, were Dopey. And now, Dopey, the character who plays him, is off the show. But Dopey is off at university. Uh, there, Ruby wasn't there. August wasn't there. And, of course, Belle and Rumple. But Belle and Gideon August, are probably rude. asleep. Yeah. Where's August? They could have just put a head in that looked like it could have been August from the back <laughs> and just let us assume stuff. Someone in the chat room had been pointing out earlier that had they brought all of those characters on, they would have had to pay them. Yeah, that's true. So do it. No. <laughs> they're probably just unavailable. Maybe they're saving them for the finale. Mm, mm, yes. <laughs> do we think that it's fair to say that Dr. Hopper, the authority vested in him to pronounce them husband and wife, was vested in him by a curse? <laughs> yeah, well, it's the same authority he used to marry Belle and Rumple. True. Oh, that's true. Curse handed out doctorates and all kinds of credentials. It's a pretty interesting curse. This song at the wedding, A Happy Beginning, is my favorite song from the soundtrack. It's And it's it's so beautifully symbolic, too. I don't know if we've talked about Happy Beginning. I've always thought like the show would end with something about happily ever after, you know, a happy ending. Everyone gets their happy ending. And that's what Emma is supposed to do is bring about their happy endings. But the shift in what she said in response to Hook, she said, no, it's more like a happy beginning. Beautiful. They really could have, despite this whole dark curse thing, they really could have ended the series with this episode. A beautiful musical Mm -hmm. number, a beautiful concept of, no, it's not a happy ending, it's a happy beginning, a beautiful wedding scene. Hey, they did it with Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Why not with Once Proper to end it with a wedding as well? And and beautiful things all around with this, but we still have the final battle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes, we do. But it's perfect for them. it's, It's a good metaphor for life in this world in a lot of ways, even if your faith tells you that there is in a sense a happily ever after (laughs) for this world if you're always trying for some kind of happy ending and for them if they're always trying for a happy ending stuff just keeps coming Mm -hmm. and but they're happy right now so that's where they this is like the first time i've ever agreed with the just live regardless of the danger that's in town because this is what they have right now and maybe it's just never going to stop but they can be happy and they can keep going through it together and I think if you expect happy to be static, like um, 
sometimes Re- they would let Regina talk like that about everybody else's happily ever after. Like you get to a plateau and now you get to just be happy forever. And life isn't like that. Yeah. You know, that just because I married the love of my life doesn't mean that every day has been, you know, kittens and presents. <laughs> <laughs> all over the place. And really, if it were, you just have way too many kittens and mac and presents. cheese, kittens and presents. I think is what it would come down to. <laughs> but but that doesn't mean that I'm not madly in love with the man and so 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 lucky to be married to him. It just means life is life is life, and and you don't want it to stop. Right. The happily ever after sounds like an like an end rather than a beginning, and I think that was one of the reasons why I really really liked this ending to the episode. More more than I had anticipated, because it's it's like the happy version of the second act of Into the Woods, where it's what <laughs> happens after the happily ever after. <laughs> Into the yeah. Woods is a little dark. Well, yeah, because nobody this ever was thinks not. about that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you you live and you watch people who you could even almost say had happily ever after or a happy ending, and they're happy and they're having their life live long enough on this earth, then life ends mm-hmm. that doesn't you i mean you can be happy with what there was but that's not a happy thing that people want to think about so mm-hmm. yeah i don't know pay attention to what it. you got now i love i love the happy beginning mm-hmm. it's cool and the way that there as the curse is coming emma basically says it doesn't matter because we'll be together we'll defeat it and in the lyrics to the song with mm-hmm. what regina says and it's very kind of ironic that she's the one saying it she's saying <laughs> let the villains cast their curses yeah. because they'll defeat it they're together they have a happy beginning i have to say at this point that i watched it with captions yesterday and found out that that's what she said i like my misheard lyrics better i thought Which she word? said let millions cast their curses we will overcome them all <laughs> <laughs> that song happy beginning and definitely you've got to go buy the soundtrack oncepodcast.com slash musical but here's a little excerpt from that because i want you to hear a similarity this reminds me of another song so here's happy beginning And that reminds me of the song Touch the Sky from Laura's Stern by Wonderwall. Another fun soundtrack, by the way. Hmm. Interesting. I think I like Once Upon a Time better. I do, too. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I think that's my favorite song. Definitely mind. Go to onespodcast.com slash musical to purchase through iTunes, through Amazon, through Google Play, through Spotify, through all of these different places. And especially if you purchase through iTunes, Apple Music, or Amazon, it helps support the podcast too. But purchase through what works best for you. Don't think only about us, although do please do think about us some, <laughs> but purchase for uh, through what works best for you over there at onespodcast.com slash musical. I know I'll be listening to the music for days to come at least so do you think regina needs to eat her words when she said singing emma was not her favorite emma (laughs) or did she say that am i getting too many of my own quotes mixed up with the real one 
I, I don't remember now. <laughs> I don't remember we either. Are, we're coming up on our 300th episode oh, that makes of the podcast. And we're hitting that milestone for the finale at our finale party. I think we also uh-huh. hit like episode 200 at one of the finale parties or a finale as well. Wow. Um, and that just kind of ends up being the way it works out with how many episodes we do for the show. But 300 episodes of this podcast. And it's been a long, fun journey. Can we break into choreographed song at the party? Maybe we will. Maybe. I want video. <laughs> but I mean, all the guests have to, too. So it's going to have to be truly spontaneous. We have to make it work. We've got this new curse coming, you know, plot device number one recycled. And at the very least, <laughs> we don't know. Don't call it recycled. We don't know what's coming is what I was going to say, but don't call it recycled. Mm. Okay. In, this, in this case, I mean, you can call it recycled if you want, but I'm not going to because in this case, I think that with what they decided to establish about the history of the black curse and the Black Fairy, Dark Curse and Black Fairy. Maybe they should unify those names to show ownership. I think it makes sense for her to do something like this. Mm. And my goodness, was it creepy? Yeah. It worked. It wouldn't have worked so well if it weren't contrasted with that whole song and the whole town happy. And and in it wasn't a surprise. That's, I think, what I liked about it. They're just up there dancing and singing and celebrating and they know what's coming yeah yeah and they were so caught up in it it still seemed to take them by surprise but they knew when they heard it what it was and i'm wondering if possibly the lyrics about facing endless night were more than just poetic Hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. a little Mm -hmm. foreshadowing Hmm. i'm just glad there wasn't a or not (laughs) i'm both glad and disappointed there wasn't a but there was a <laughs> boom at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it did kind of look like a smoke monster, but I did not think of it instantly. There was something about the cinematography, even though it was mostly shooting CG, there, just the angle of them looking at the clock tower and then having to burst out was hmm. creepier than a lot of what they've done in the past, I thought. Mm-hmm. Somehow. I don't know. It was just very effective to me. There was something very predatory about the the smoke that wasn't it wasn't the same kind of predatory that we've seen in the previous curse smoke yeah maybe it was because it looked like tentacles more like tentacles yeah that's true like it was reaching out for them wrapped around each of their little heads yeah and they were after them they were sitting there celebrating so close to the clock tower i just there was something so weird and cool about the whole thing then i also half wondered the cynical side of me still tries to talk. Did they have it on the roof so that they could have the curse come take everybody, but they didn't have to decide today whether it destroyed Storybrooke or not? Huh. They didn't have to show it breaking through walls like they did with the palace in the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. <laughs> Nathaniel said, with yet another dark curse, I am confused how this is supposed to play out. They flat out say that Emma is going to be fighting the final battle, but yet the Black Fairy is nowhere to be seen in the vision Emma had when we first discovered the Savior Shakes. Are they going to pull a Snow and Charming on Emma and Hook, which would take us back to Season 5 with Hook going to the Underworld? In my mind, this could go one of two ways. One, it's good they have two hours to explain how this will all end up, especially if it's the series finale. And two, I may die watching the final two hours <laughs> especially if it is the series finale 
Please don't die. DVR it. Um, use the pause button if it's too much. Don't die. Pace yourself. DG shared a couple predictions. She said, Henry will have a bigger hand in the fight of the final battle. The way that he technically solved this puzzle for Emma, yet again, just leads me to believe that he will have more to do with them figuring out how to deal with or get out of this next curse. And prediction two, she said, I don't think they're going to leave Storybrooke. I do think that all of the other worlds will have to either come to Storybrooke to witness the final battle, or Emma will be fighting for all of the fairy tales everywhere. And DG ended saying, thank you for continuing your phenomenal podcast. It has been a fantastic ride from the first show. Love it. And I love all of you. God bless. Thank you, DG. (laughs) Well, thank you. I only have one thought beyond what you guys have already said. And that comes in the form of a helpful safety tip, which is if you want to have a happy wedding and get along with your mother-in-law, shave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hook did look more shaven than usual. Gareth sent this piece of feedback saying, I was convinced for the longest time that Emma would die sacrificing herself to save everyone. I would agree with that. She showed that she was willing in this episode, but it didn't work. Henry was convinced that the story needed to end a different way. I think that the fact that they explored the option in this episode means that this is not the way they will go in the finale. It would be kind of cruel to give Emma and Hook their happy beginning and then take it away the next day. Though I wouldn't put it entirely past them given what they have done to Regina. If Emma makes a sacrifice, it will likely be a different one. Perhaps she will give up her magic, like Zelina. Perhaps give her light magic to Rumple. Her destiny as the savior, like Aladdin, or some or all of the people she loves. For example, maybe she will end up banishing the Black Fairy to another world, but have to go there with her or something. I think Rumple will be a major hero in the final battle. As discussed last week, I think he may sacrifice himself in an attempt, successful or otherwise, to destroy the Black Fairy. I think the Black Fairy will either be banished again or killed by someone other than Emma. I don't think Emma has ever intentionally killed one of the villains, and they might want to preserve that aspect of her character. I think there will be a family or community aspect to winning the final battle. There has been a lot of emphasis on Emma not being alone and not fighting the battle alone. In the episode Awake, the sleeping curse was broken by everyone sharing it. Other things have been defeated by two or more characters working together. Perhaps it will really be everyone working together. The true love among everyone. They will break the curse and defeat the Black Fairy. At the end of the show, one of the following things needs to happen. Light and dark magic cancel one another out, leaving everyone normal in a world once again without magic. Or light and dark magic will come into balance, which might include dark magic being used for good purposes, or the taint will be removed from dark magic and it will become light magic again, undoing what Nimue originally did. And by the way, his mention of of Nimue, I need to correct myself from the last episode. I said something about the Black Fairy basically being the originator of dark magic, which would be totally false because Fiona was alive at the same time as Zoso was a dark one. And Zoso was a dark one among a very long line of dark ones. And the dark one curse had been spreading and passing from person to person, uh, generation to generation rather, uh, passing on to person to person for 
hundreds of years before this. So she was not the originator of dark magic. I needed to correct myself on that. Yeah. Ugh. It's kind of a partial superlative warning. Yeah. I practically invented dark magic. Well, she didn't. She just Shut up, inv- lady. She only invented the dark curse. And that's all that she practically invented. Really, it's just like she realized, I have a pen. I have an apple. Huh. <laughs> pen, pineapple, <laughs> apple, pen. And that's what she basically wow. did. But in dark curse form. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. I, you pointed out last week. That she became the Black Fairy and was banished before she even left the room where she became the Black Fairy. And yet she sort of also had this lore about her. So I do think they've made some course corrections to the plot even since starting the season. Yeah. And because originally it sounded as if she specifically was a fairy whose job it was to protect children. And then they sort of backtracked and expanded that to all fairies protect children, which I can see. It's not totally implausible, but it's not. They made it sound like it was specifically her job. Yeah, they did say like it was she, unique to her. She stopped protecting them and started taking them. Yeah. Blue Fairy said that at some point. At least taking children was partially explained, but I think only partially. Right. I still feel like there's more to know about that. Well, I think it was explained enough, not directly explained, like maybe they had to cut that out, but I think it was explained enough in that she was always looking for who might that new person be that would destroy her or her son. Oh, true, true. Although while I'm on loose ends, I want to see Henry's writing mean something. Yeah. That would be good. So we don't know yet whether we've got a season seven. News didn't come in while we were recording this, but we will share that information with you as soon as we can. So the best place to make sure you get up-to-date information from us is to follow us on Twitter at Instagram, as well as on our Facebook page. Uh, And all of those links for following us are over on the website at onespodcast.com. We'd love it if you would share this episode out as well. And please, if you can, join us for the finale party. It's not too late to register if you can make it to be with us in Cincinnati on Mother's Day for the finale. We've got a nice dinner planned. Uh, We'll be eating at a local restaurant. We'll go Dutch for that. And (laughs) we'll uh, enjoy the party. Feel free to bring snacks, bake something, buy something. It's up to you. We'll be in a nice coffee shop, but they won't actually be serving coffee in the coffee shop. So sorry about that. If If you want caffeine, bring your own caffeine. But we'll have a great time. The TV is being delivered and sound system too. So we'll be sure to hear everything. And we'll be recording our initial reactions podcast there live in front of others and anyone who comes will be uh, there and allowed to participate in the podcast with us we'll have an extra mic there too if anyone would like to contribute to the podcast initial reactions so we would love for you to be there with us go to oncepodcast.com slash party to register and we'd love to see you there and even if you can't make it there please watch for our upcoming initial reactions live for the finale and remember that If you DVR or plan your schedule around once upon a time to allow extra hours because there will be a one hour special before the finale and the finale itself is two hours long. So if you want to catch all of that, plan to watch for three hours, which we will be at our finale party. And I hope that you'll take some time to be able to catch all of that. And our podcast then will be shifted back another hour after that. We'll be live at 10, 15 p.m. Eastern time over at oncepodcast.com slash live.
In the meantime, please connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Heather Ordover on Twitter at Mama O. This podcast would not be possible without our great team behind us. So special thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes. He's from audioeditingsolutions.com in case you want to hire him. Thanks to Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll hear from them in a moment. Thanks to Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb for masterminding our timeline, and to my fellow co-hosts and singers, Jeremy, Aaron, Heather, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting this podcast with me. And until next time, let's see how strong you are when everything is spoken. And thanks for listening. The show goes black when we see a flashback, not an ending to be seen. A story so inconsistent that it acts like it's a team. The fans are howling as they're watching teary-eyed. Couldn't leave it out, heaven knows we've tried. You always meant to be Retcon, don't yawn Don't let them know There's one more show It's the final battle The final Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you would like to be an amazing hero and get access to that song, then go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast, episode 621 and 622, The Final Battle, also known as the season finale. Also known as maybe the series finale? Maybe. We still don't know that yet. Hopefully soon we'll find that out. But in this episode, Henry awakens to a cursed storybook and discovers Emma has been in the mental hospital. And the Black Fairy is the new mayor. Henry attempts to help Emma regain her memory while Gold tries to find out what has really happened to Belle. Meanwhile, Snow, Charming, Regina, Zelina, and Hook are all trapped in a crumbling fairy tale land and desperately try to fi- figure out a way to be reunited with Emma and Henry. This episode's, both episodes are written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Part one is directed by Steve Perlman, and part two was directed by Ralph Hemmiger. Yeah. So they are going with the insane asylum route, which yeah. Buffy did once. They did. I think they're just starting to copy things now. <laughs> <laughs> we have quite a few guest stars for these two episodes. Yep. We have a lot of our old favorites, like Lee Ehrenberg is here as Grumpy, Raphael Sabarge as Archie, Beverly Elliott as Granny. We also have Dennis Ockdennis returning as Aladdin, and we have Karen David as Jasmine, so we haven't Mm -hmm. seen them in a couple episodes. We have Peter Marchin as The Chief, Giles Matthey as Gideon, 
Andrew J. West as the young man and Allison Fernandez as the little girl. And you guys remember that these are the two characters being constantly teased as launching a season seven if we get a season seven. Yes, they'll be the main characters. So definitely look out for those two because we, from the press release, still have no idea who they are. Ingrid Torrance is back as the severe nurse. Jamie Murray, of course, is here as the Black Fairy. We also have a couple of the other dwarves like Mr. Clark slash Sneezy and Sleepy. Sarah Tomko is back as Tiger Lily. We haven't seen her in an episode. And Olivia Still Falconer is returning to us as Violet. And we haven't seen her in a while. No. So we got a lot of people. Yeah. I personally, if they knew that this was going to be like a series finale... I would have expected to see more people. I would have expected that they would try to get August and Ruby, uh, Dr. Whale. Yeah. There's a whole – maybe even Aurora and Prince Philip, yep. Cinderella and Prince Eric. It was Eric, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, I yeah. So, it, like – All of them. They, w- they wrote this not knowing because we have some guest stars, but they don't know because I believe they would have brought a whole lot more back. I do suspect, however, that they believe they are getting renewed based on the fact that they went ahead and brought in Andrew J. West and Allison Fernandez and have obviously written stuff for them in this episode. Right. So we have a promo. We did. Okay. So the final curse has hit Storybrooke. We all saw that at the end of the last episode. And all realms will be destroyed and everyone in them, according to Regina, dressed like the evil queen. Yeah, so they all kind of return to the fairy tale land and they're all dressed once again in their very iconic fairy tale clothes. So we have be- Regina and as the evil queen. We have Snow back with her long hair and white dresses. Because it doesn't look, well, at least according to the synopsis, we, it does not look we, we will be time hopping. No, we are not time hopping. I think we are realm hopping quite a bit. Okay. Because somebody pointed out that they thought they saw the inside of Jefferson's hat in the promo. And we also see Charming on the beanstalk at some point. It looks like it's getting destroyed. And we did have photos of the beanstalk out in the Vancouver woods when they were shooting these episodes. So I think we might be realm hopping. Okay. So we also see Emma. It looks like she's saying goodbye to Henry. It looks like she's probably getting ready to go fight. Um, Snow wants Hook to get to Emma to make her believe again. So I'm guessing that they're, she wants him to find a way back. It seems like Hook is jumping a lot of realms this season. Mm-hmm. Or at least this part of this season. <laughs> yep. Emma's seen putting the storybook into a fire and it burns. Of course, Henry wants Emma to fight. What is that? Is that a wand that we saw? It, yeah. At some point, they open up a case, and it looks, it almost looks exactly like the Black Fairy's wand. Okay, because I, but saw I don't it, know I'm if like, it is. Yeah, or it's if it's the the opposite of the Black Fairy wand, mm-hmm. like a good wand. And then we do see some sword fighting in yes. the street, and it's Gideon and Emma, which is you know, I mean, it's that thing that's been teased. The final battle. All year is this idea of Emma having this sword fight in the middle of the street. I don't know why she's fighting Gideon. Because, obviously, Gideon has his, has been, like, rescued. 
I guess. But so like, why is he still fighting her? I don't, I don't quite know. Maybe he's put under another spell. Yep. Maybe. I mean, they are in a curse. Sure. And he was affected by it. So, and then the very last thing you hear them say is this is it. Yeah. And then they say season finale of once upon a time, but who knows? It could be the series. So uh, prepare yourself either way, guys. <laughs> it could go either way at this point. Yep. We got some promotional images, of course. If you want to call them that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We got two sets, some that are linked to episode 21 and some that are linked to episode 22. For episode 21, almost all of them, I think actually all of them, are of Emma in the psych ward. And she's... You know, she she's wearing very gray clothing. Her hair is kind of a mess. She looks really dejected. Um, Henry is there talking with her, and he does have the storybook. And okay, does it, is it me, or does it look very bright in that psych ward? Because isn't the psych ward supposed to be in the basement? I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, there are big, bright windows, and... Well, your questions are pointless. I'm sorry. It was just something I noticed. (laughs) But Henry does have the book, so he's obviously trying to get Emma to remember. This is supposed to feel very season one. And then Archie is there, and he looks like he is best friends with the Black Fairy. I know. He's like all smiling and happy and by her side. And not just once, but a couple times, or at least in the photos. It could be all of a matter of 30 seconds. Yeah, but he does look like he almost looks a little scary. <laughs> yeah, the way he's smiling. Yeah, and then the second Wait, set. Of he her- has a storybook. How does he yeah. have a storybook too? Well, I think he takes it from Henry. That's my okay. guess. Is he probably takes it because if he's under a curse, then he's probably telling Emma that fairy tales aren't real. He's playing the role he played back in season one with Henry. Henry. Yeah. So okay. I assume he's probably going to take that book away. Because it's dangerous. And then the second half of the photos are a lot of individual shots. Like we have Gideon. um, He's in the mayor's office at one point holding a sword. We do have Emma and Henry standing in the middle of Storybrooke talking in the street. We have Henry holding the book. We have some stills of Emma, uh, some more of Gideon. There's also one of Snow White, and she looks like she's smiling. So I yeah, assume something good just happened. Yeah, maybe the curse was broken. Maybe. It's part two. You never know. Yeah, I mean, they have to break the curse. And they, they did say that it won't be the traditional way of breaking the curse. So I'm guessing that there won't actually be a true love's kiss. Okay. Maybe it comes at the end of the battle. Maybe. So, let's talk about the really, really, really big news. Oh, yes. We've got lots of interviews and lots of news. And So, first up, the biggest news that probably most of you have already heard because it made its way around social media like fire. Yes. Is that on her Facebook and also on her Instagram, Jennifer Morrison announced that she will be exiting Once Upon a Time after six years. That's crazy. She wrote quite a little thing that I'm going to read to you guys in case you didn't get a chance to. 
She said, as I reached the end of my six-year contract on Once Upon a Time, I was faced with a significant decision. ABC, Eddie Kitsis, and Adam Horowitz very generously invited me to continue as a series regular. After very careful consideration, I have decided that creatively and personally, it is time for me to move on. Emma Swan is one of my favorite characters that I have ever played. My six years on Once Upon a Time has changed my life in the most beautiful ways. I am absolutely blown away by the passion and commitment of the Oneser fans. I am so honored to have been a central part of such a special show. I will be forever grateful to Adam, Eddie, and ABC for giving me the gift of playing Emma Swan. As I move on to other creative endeavors, I will continue to attend the fan conventions whenever my professional schedule allows. I always look forward to meeting the fans. If ABC Network does in fact order a season 7, I have agreed to appear in one episode, and I will most certainly continue to watch Once Upon a Time. The creativity of the showrunners has always inspired me, and I cannot wait to see the ways that they continue to develop and reinvent the show. Yeah, so she's leaving. So she's gone. Um, Except for one episode. For one episode, which will probably be the premiere. I actually think she said the premiere in one of the – like, guys, there have been about 20 million interviews in the day since this has happened, so – if we if we forget one thing, we're sorry. But um, I do think she said it would be the premiere when she talked to TV line. Okay, because uh, some of the ones I've read, she's like, no, I've only agreed to come back for one episode. Yeah, and that's I do, the only thing I can promise. Yeah, I do believe that it's just it's just the one episode. It will, I think, probably be the premiere, and then she's gone. Um, just and, to pull those pull those viewers back in. Yep. So in addition to that. On the TV Line website, they have their weekly live Facebook conversation between Michael Osuelo and Matt Midovich. And and Matt, very casually, <laughs> if you watch the clip, dropped in the, the part that not only is Jennifer Morrison leaving, but of course, Josh Dallas and Jennifer Goodwin, whom we have reported earlier as leaving, Jared Gilmore and Emily DeRaven have all said they're not coming back. Okay. So that's Emma, Snow, Charming, Henry, and Belle. Yes. That's a lot. It it's is. It's a major cast drop. It's a major cast drop. No word on Rebecca Mater. I haven't heard one way or another about her, but there are some rumors floating around that, you know, Colin still has one year left on his contract. Yep. And given how much but ABC, I think it. I think it, while everyone would love to see him, I think it'd be really weird to have him in the show, but not Emma, especially if they're married now. Yes, I agree. I think that's weird, but I also think that ABC likes Hook and Colin O'Donohue so much that they don't want to buy him out of his contract. I think they're going to want to keep him no matter what. Right. I mean, it's a. He's a great. He plays the character great. I'm not complaining about that. I just think it'll be like. Oh, where's Emma? Like, right. oh, she's on vacation. Where's she's, Emma? She's helping so and so over here. Like, right. It's going like, to be constantly like, where's Emma? Because you can't have Hook without Emma now because they're married. Yeah. So the idea that I'm hearing is that the rebooted, retooled series is going to focus on Hook, Regina, and Rumple because apparently Bobby is still thinking about signing although i am suspicious of this yeah so we read i don't remember who reported it but i did read that 
Lana and Robert are still nearing deals on their new contracts. Right. But we also heard the exact same about Jennifer Morrison. And if you read a lot of these interviews that she's been giving, and if you read what Adam and Eddie have said since this news dropped, they've known for quite a while that she wasn't coming back. Right. It's, I mean, this wasn't a sudden decision on her part or even like a week ago. Like, it seems like she's known for a couple months, that they've all known for a couple months. And, you know, we kept reporting the four big names of Colin, Jennifer, Lana, and Robert were all in negotiations for their contract. But very clearly, Jennifer Morrison dropped out of these negotiations a couple months ago. Yeah. So I I still have very strong suspicions that Robert Carlyle is going to return for at least full time as he is now, if we get a season seven. Right. And that the whole thing is to everyone is we have to remember if we get a season seven. Yeah. So <laughs> a couple other, I guess, bits on that front. Um, some of you have probably heard that ABC is making a very serious bid for the rebooted version of American Idol. They desperately want their own successful singing show. They've wanted something like that for a couple years, I guess. And now that Fox has canceled American Idol and it's been off the air for about two years, there is an attempt to bring it back. And ABC is dead serious that they want the show. I would expect they would. They, it's their show. And I'm putting that in quotes because, like, they even loved it so much it was in the Disney parks. Yeah. That's that's true. It does have a lot of tie-ins with Disney. Um, they they had a whole attraction at the Hollywood Studios down in Florida, and like they would get contestants from the the park goers. They would mm-hmm. come and they would audition, and then they would they had like four or five shows a day. And at the last show, all the winners from the individual shows all sang, and they had one winner, and they got a golden ticket to go to any open American Idol audition and get put to the front of the line. Nice. So, I mean, they loved the show. Yeah. And what's following this is, I mean, ABC can obviously put in a bid for the show, but the interesting aspect here is where they want to put American Idol. Sunday nights at (laughs) 8? They want to put it Sunday nights at (laughs) 8, but they want to start it in the spring, so like March. Now, that gives ABC a couple options. What they could do is they could fill fall and winter Sunday nights at eight with any kind of random game shows or, you know, air the wonderful world of Disney and air movies or something. But I wish they would bring that back. I'm sorry. Sunday nights at seven were awesome when they did that. Or what they could do is they could very easily renew once upon a time for a seventh season that will be much shorter that instead of having 22 episodes, it will only have, say, 12 or 13, or they could even, you know, pad it out a little bit further, maybe 18, so that way they get to March, and then Once Upon a Time becomes the lead-in to American Idol in its first week. So, I am right now more inclined to believe that it's going to be renewed, that it will be renewed for a much shorter season than what we're used to, and that they will use once upon a time to help build American Idol. I can see that. Okay. Did we want to read all these interviews? Not really, but I think we should mention a couple things. So there was quite a few interviews this week. Yeah. We're not going to go through all of them because a lot of them say the same things we've already been talking about for weeks. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple little things we wanted you to know. 
Yeah. So we've already talked about the fact that Jennifer Morrison will only be returning for one episode. Um, it's all she's negotiated for. It's the only thing she's going to promise. They even asked her if she would come back for whatever ends up being the series finale. And she said she can't speak to that. She doesn't know. I don't even think she's really in that kind of headspace. If you read a lot of these interviews, she talks a lot about how I think she's very tired. <laughs> and you guys got to remember, you know, she did six years on Once Upon a Time. And before that, she did a year on How I Met Your Mother. And before that, she did six years on House. And that's a yeah. pretty grueling TV schedule with the demands of TV. Um, she talks a lot about wanting to be closer to her friends and family, have an attempt at a personal life. <laughs> We've also said this quite a bit this year that her passions have leaned a little bit more toward behind the scenes stuff. She's really gotten into directing. There were all those rumors that she wanted to be a producer or executive producer on Once Upon a Time. I think she's kind of leaning that way in her career. And while she does love Once Upon a Time and she loves Emma, she wants to move on to doing not necessarily acting anymore, but doing more directing. You know, she says in one of the interviews that there's a lot of stuff she's had to turn down because of Once. And she's gotten to that point where she's she's ready to say goodbye, basically. Right. And I mean, a lot of times actors do that, too, because you can only play a character so long and you want to try something new. Mm -hmm. That's why they that's why they're actors. They they throw themselves into a part and then they're like, OK, well, now what? Like this time I get to be a bank robber and this time I get to be a comedian. Like they that's why they do what they do so they can switch it up and be different people. And after so many years as the same person, you get a little tired. It is worth noting, though, that if the show does end this Sunday, if ABC decides not to renew it, that both a couple members of the cast and Adam and Eddie have said that it will feel like a series finale, that things get resolved, that people will be happy. Which well, not everyone. You can't I'm, make everyone happy. Well, no, you can't make everybody happy. But that, like, the characters on the show, it will feel like their stories have ended. Yes. Which I'm not sure that I buy. Because we have these two characters, played by Andrew J. West and Allison Fernandez, coming in. And they're going to come in, probably, my guess is at the end of the episode, you know, and give some sort of big announcement, set up the plot for whatever season seven is going to be. And if it's a series finale and the last image you see is of these two people announcing some big plot, that's unresolved. So, I True, don't know. But I've seen this done many a times in lots of different shows. Because a lot of times they're, they'll, they'll be writing their series or season finale without knowing if they're getting picked up. And I've seen shows where they throw it a big twist at the very end. And you're like, ooh, what's going to happen? And then the show never comes back. And it makes you really mad. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying is if they're bringing these two people in, these things aren't going to be resolved. And so this idea that it'll feel like a total series finale, I don't think I buy that from Adam and Eddie. Because you do have these two characters who are being introduced who are going to set up season seven. Right. But they kind of had to do that. I feel they had to. Oh, see, I disagree. I don't think they needed to. I think you can introduce season seven in in, in season seven. 
I think, you know, you close out the show with Emma, the, you know, the images we have, which is Emma and Hook driving away in the bug, Snow and Charming going to live in this house with baby Snowflake, you know, Henry and Violet, maybe they go, you know, decide to officially go steady or something. Rumple and Belle have resolved their never ending drama. You <laughs> end it right then and there. So that way, it feels like the show has ended. And then if there's a season seven, you can pick it up and be like, oh, by the way, these two strangers came to town. Let's meet them. So I, I don't agree that they needed to introduce season seven here at the end. Okay. <laughs> we agree to disagree. Yes. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to talk about with that or should we move on to our special? Nope. I think that's pretty much it. A lot of the stuff they've said over the past week really is stuff we've all talked about before. Right. So this week at 7 p.m., which is the hour before the two-hour finale, once upon a time, the final battle begins. Join our talented cast and executive producers as they identify some of their favorite moments over the past six seasons, as well as take a look back at the characters' journeys. They will discuss what the show has meant to them personally and to the millions of fans who have made once a hit show on ABC. Additionally, in the special, Oncers get to ask the cast and producers their most burning questions about the series. Take a look back at the origins, the love, and the romance, and all the adventure along the way that fans have cherished these past six seasons. So, yeah, it's a recap show. It's a recap. This, this doing this special makes me feel like it's a series finale. I agree because we've never had um, a recap episode of like the entire series before a finale. So it does feel like it's a series finale. But I, I also think that it's a I keep calling it fire insurance so that if they do get canceled, they can say, but look, we gave you a recap directly before. We made this a huge event, three hours of Once Upon a Time. But if they get renewed, they'll say, well, this is Once Upon a Time, the new generation. So, yeah, we did end the original show. Yeah, it's it's pretty much saying goodbye, like for all the characters that are not coming back. Yeah. Speaking of, um, we kind of talked about what season seven might look like. There's a theory going around the fandom that what season seven is going to be is it's going to take place in the wish realm, which we saw earlier this season um, in the opener and that it'll be the evil queen hook and rumple who we know exist in the wish realm because in the wish realm, if you guys remember snow and charming are dead. Yep. Emma was our Emma that we went and rescued, and now she's no longer in the Wish Realm. Um, Belle, who is not coming back for season seven, died of starvation in the Wish Realm, <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting. Um, and then what they'll do is they'll age up the Wish Realm version of Henry into Andrew J. West. And then the character being played by Allison Fernandez is going to be the evil queen and Robin Hood's daughter. Not Regina, but the evil queen. Okay. Interesting. It makes sense. As much as as, as any idea of a separate realm <laughs> that's made out of wishes can, yes. Well, I'm just saying, like, because it'll just, it helps reason why, why certain people aren't there. 
Right, right. I mean, we wouldn't constantly be asking, well, where's Emma? Why can't she just come and save the day? Well, it's an entirely separate realm with different characters, essentially. Although, Belle? (laughs) Are they going to put Hook in the fat suit every single week? Because I can't... Oh, that would be hilarious. I wouldn't want to see it, but that would be just so funny. I I can't see ABC... agreeing to that of putting Colin in the fat suit every single week. Personally, I don't think I can see Colin agreeing to that. Right. <laughs> like those suits are heavy. Yeah. So I, you're not used to carrying that weight around. You, you get a little winded and you get a little tired and I don't see him wanting to do that every week. Every once in a while, it'd be funny to see. Well, I'm sure they can insert some sort of plot device potion that causes him to become young and handsome and thin again. <laughs> yeah, well, especially because if they have to age up everyone, like, they would have to age up everyone if they aged up Henry. Yeah, although it would only be by about 10 years, so you don't need to age them up a lot. Okay. So, I mean, you may have to put a little bit more makeup Creases on, on their face. Yeah. And I mean, gray in the hair. Rumpel <laughs> is still the dark one in the wish realm, so he doesn't age at all, which is fine. You give Hook this magical potion to make him young again, <laughs> um, and then yeah, you put a couple more lines on Lana Priya's face as the evil queen. But I, I think that's kind of it. Okay, so I think that's all we have to talk about this week. It is, and for our last spoiler episode of the season, yeah, or possibly ever. <laughs> now we will plan on doing something after comic-con if they should have make an appearance yes and if they should have a season seven we will of course do the summer recap like we usually do mm-hmm. but that's all we have for you i'm hunter you can follow me on twitter at traveling pixie and i'm jacqueline you can follow me on twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87 until next time oncers Thank you.